Good to catch up with Cindy Peters, DaleWileyShow.com. Well, that is wonderful, and today I'm talking to Cindy Peters. And so, Cindy, how are you? I'm doing okay. No problem with me or anybody around me, but uh, it's a hard time for everyone. It um, definitely is a different time entirely. I thought I'd read you a few poems. I thought that might sure. yes. be something that you might like. Um, this Absolutely. was written, um, I wrote this on March the 26th. Uh, as you know, basically the beginning of the virus. I had been in New York City uh, visiting my son and, and, and daughter-in-law and uh-huh. uh, was all over the city, came home, and I got very, very ill. Uh, and, went, and I went to patients first, which is a local. And um, they said, we don't know what it is. It's some kind of a virus, but you don't have the flu. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I don't know if I had it or, or didn't have it, and, and it's hard to say. Uh, a lot of strains and, and a lot of different aspects of right. the virus. But uh, my cousin Karen in Wichita said, She's positive I had it um, because <laughs> of the symptoms that I told her about at that time. Uh, she's like a sister to me and always has been. Um, so anyway, here's this poem that I wrote on March the 26th. Okay. And Dale is called Standing in Line. Okay. Standing in line seems such a risk. Closer than social distance demands. Wrapped up in black plastic bags inside nurses touch patients with open hands. Chance outside stretch beyond the facility, not in one city, but across the globe. Lacking equipment to help those in need. Hope seems lost when doctors are choosing who gets the ventilators when others die losing. Wishing for masks, for gowns, for beds. Speed is what's wanted to end Infection when overtired, overworked nurses robe in desperation, facing those people waiting in line. No social distance with hands-on treatment, praying for help for the crowds on the cement, with coughs and fever too close to decline. Wow, that's, that's good. Now, this one I, I selected. Um, thank you. This one um, is a summer, a summer poem called okay. the, the Crow's Call. Okay. I heard the crows sing, their raspy tune broadcast loud and clear, spring needs and summer future, eggs to hatch, corvus consumers to carry on, insects, grains, and fruit. Dietary wants for hatchlings to eat. You told me yesterday you saw crows climbing the sky, calling out fear of last year's broken corn stalks, months of farmers' fields impacted, with kernels of maize left to plant, endosperm, germ, pericarp, tip cap, corn husks, and silk often mistaken for less than usage now projected with coronavirus settling its spectrum as farmers begin to sense rejection when 4th of July is left waiting inspection. Yes. <laughs> and then, a weird time. then this one is called human bondage. Two words, redemption and restitution, close, but not equal in value or tone. 
Well, I struggled getting a fair solution, not mine to say, but mine to own. When minds are closed, there can't be giving. Stakes are high for those who consider what is the way to help those living. Can any funds in this time deliver equal rights to heal broken hearts? Or laws compose render what's just? Chains of bondage set people apart. Iron is hard to clean off its rust. 13th of August, 2020. Wow. So let's talk about you. So where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Yep. Wichita. In Wichita, thank you. Okay. <laughs> in Wichita, Kansas. And I still have contact with um, classmates from there. Yeah. Right. And so tell me how you got into my life. How did I get into your life? Yes. Well, that was Crane. Okay, um, he sure was. And uh, the Presbyterian Church right. was was where Rodney, my husband, was the pastor for, I believe, mm, maybe 20, 25 years. Time. It sure was. Not sure. Not sure. Uh-huh. Yes. That's how I knew Dale. And... <laughs> And Dale was very interested in baseball. Uh, yes. Worked with, worked with the Crane Pirates a lot. Right. Uh, and um, actually went on to, to, to be involved uh, in, in the Missouri uh, in terms of music. And, right. uh, and went over toward uh, St. Louis. Uh, did a lot of work over there. At, uh, I'm not sure exactly. I can't remember the name of the um, government agency then but you did a lot of, of um, a lot of work with the industry over there and uh, then you you got your legal uh, degree and right. uh, practice law um, settling a number of large cases I would say right. um, corporate cases um, your sister was uh, my my very still dearest person uh, right. one, of the most, one of the most dear people in my life. Uh, right. Elizabeth is um, is phenomenal. She cares so much about right. human beings. And um, she and I always look toward angels and, and shared stories about angels. And there have been a couple of incidences in my life that were that dealt with angels. And I know she has too. Um, one of them, I'll tell you the story. Sure. Many, many years ago, when the kids were small, we drove, Roddy drove a Volari, and uh, we were going to go camping. Uh, we had plans to come into Missouri. We lived, okay, in uh, Kansas. We were coming over, and the kids were little. Uh, Stephanie was gone. She was in New York with her dad, but right. the, the three children were in the car. Samantha was very little. That's Raleigh and Shannon and Samantha. Right. And I had packed everything in the world because while well, we were heading down to Roaring River for a weekend of the 4th of July, it seemed logical to carry lots of food, and I always usually did, and I did. Right. Had tons of drinks and food and so forth. But as we came down the highway in Missouri between Anderson and Goodman, Missouri, uh-huh. the Valari decided to do its thing. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to drive anymore for you. And Raleigh, our son at the time looks out the window and says, Hey dad, roadside 
arch ahead. And so Roddy just glided in down the ro- hill into the <laughs> roadside park, which had no uh, – it was a primitive camp- campground, but right. it had this little stream by it, and, uh, and it did have a picnic bench. Um, so when we arrived, there's this dead car. And honestly, it was right before the 4th of July, so everything's closed, of course, uh, right. along Highway 49 at that time. And um, pulling in, <clears throat> we look over to the side. There's a man sitting over there outside of his vehicle, sitting on a bench, playing the guitar. Okay. By Solitary. Uh, <laughs> this was before cell phones, people. I mean, right. you know, what that <laughs> That didn't exist. Uh, cell phone wasn't even considered at this point. Although we did have the original box or that Philips um, phone in our car. We we got that originally because my husband was so techno. We had that. But this was prior <laughs> to that. Prior to that. And, um, of course, this man comes over. Hello. Um, you know, to help. Can I help you? Or, <laughs> like, who was this random guy? Uh, right. And, Rodney told him the story, and he said, "Well, it's okay. I'll run you over. I got a friend over in Goodman." He said, um, "And he and he actually runs the the filling station. He'll be he'll be there." So Rodney got in the car with him and went over there. And when he turned around to thank this guy at the filling station, he told me later. He said, "You know, he was gone." He said, "I, I he said I just started to talk to the man, and I turned around." And he was gone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And um, and therefore that was he went on his way in his truck, and um, Roddy was just there, and this man who ran the station drove him drove Roddy back, and worked on the car. But uh, you know <laughs> that was one kind of significant factor of the time I right. knew that was an angel. I, there was no way. That was I, I mean because you know people. Are the angels? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not—it's not some random thing out there. It's just the right. the the intersection between humans that happens that's spiritual, and right. that was yes. Tell me about there. Crane. What was it like being in Crane? What was it like living in Crane? Um, yes. Well, uh, I had never lived in Missouri before, uh-huh. and. Um, we had a lot of um, – we lived on the top of the hill at the Crane Presbyterian Manse. Right. And Samantha, our our young youngest of the three daughters, um, right. didn't have a driver's ed course at the school, but she was learning how to drive, and so her, her dad taught her. Um, but every time we went from the top of the hill down the hill, I'd say, Watch the curve, watch the curve, watch the curve, watch the curve. Right. <laughs> she yes. still says that I say that back to her. And she did very well. She never had an accident. And she had a little VW bug and, and did fine. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it was a stick shift. And, and you know, you, you worry about <laughs> your children and, and everything. But, uh, yeah. So living in Crane had uh, a lot of fun times, knowing people them is Rita DeWitt, and, and you know her very well. Right. And um, out of my door, you may tell her that I still have a goose that she made with um, okay. <laughs> with, with the paper, uh, you know, ha- hanging out of, of this, you know, you know, strings of, for, I don't know what you call it, stuff. Um, 
a ribbon of paper, and it's around her neck, around this goose's neck. And right. so, yes, it's hanging outside my door. Um, you know, you never get rid of your your life. Right. And, and some people think that things are over, but it's really all connected, and it's something that we we are blessed to have that if we acknowledge yeah. it. But if we feel like it's something that's over with, then then we're really not dealing with who we are. Right. Because we are a, a component of all sorts of parts and all kinds of places that we've been and all kinds of people we've met, all kinds of plants we've cared for, all conditions that we've seen, including accidents, including disasters, including the joys. And, and they're all part of our being. And so our memory is like a flow. It's not a past or a future. It's just a flow. And yes. it's a condensation of collection of all those parts. And that's who we are, all of us individually. And that's what makes everybody unique, which is wonderful. Tell me about Rodney. What was he like? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was married, and this is important. I was okay. married 49 years, and both of us had a faithful marriage. Right. And sometimes I'd say, aren't you interested in anybody else? He'd say no. <laughs> 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 but um, as, a, as a minister, he, um, he was really a comprehensive kind of person. Right. He, he, um, he never shirked he a responsibility. Just but wonderful. he never... He never um, he never belied some kind of greatness. He just was who he was. Right. Although he was great. <laughs> he was when he great. died yes, at his was. funeral, there were seven ministers from Missouri that came to his funeral. More with Cindy Peters in a second. DaleWileyShow.com Do you love music? Do you know about the musical map of Missouri? Dallas Wayne, Chuck Berry, Dave Alvin, Robbie Folks, The Skeletons, The Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Uncle Tupelo, Wayne Carson, Nellie, Lou Whitney, Symptoms Morales, City, Jeff City, St. Louis, St. Joe, Columbia, Buckle of the Bible Belt, the Studio on South Avenue in Springfield, 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 Missouri. Add the Missouri Music Podcast to your list of favorites. Lawyer, author, and Slewfoot Records label owner Dale Wiley takes you on a musical trip around Missouri while raising funds for Musical Map of Missouri, a nonprofit organization which will help ensure Missouri musicians affected by COVID-19. Visit MissouriMusicPodcast.com for more information. Tune in to the Missouri Music Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. More with Sandy Peters, DaleWileyShow.com. Um, and uh-huh. my, I'm glad to say that one of our exchange students from Finland um, came all the way. Um, wow. He, 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 first of all, left Helsinki, and, and he flew. And took a, first he took a car, then a, then a plane, and then he rented a Cadillac. He was really proud of it over here. And drove, right. and he came to be with Rodney, to be with Rodney, and was here at the funeral. Um, but Matsi Newforce, the Newforce boys were very important to us. Um, when we lived in Iowa, uh, we 
got an invitation from Youth for Understanding, which is a rotary program, to have exchange students in our home. Right. And so Rodney and I thought, well, that's great. But Stephanie was like seven years old, you know, and he, he said, you know, he said, I'll contact him and I'll tell him that we'd like to do it. But, you know, since you and I have you know, some knowledge of Spanish, that'd be kind of nice to have a, a Spanish girl when Stephanie's mm-hmm. in high school. Sure. And he said, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. And so he contacted them, and within a week later, they called. They said, how would you like to have a nice Finnish boy? <laughs> <laughs> and so we did. And so we did. And that was Ari Mufors, and uh, we're talking about 1971 um, or two. Wow. And he was our first exchange student for a year from Finland. And then his brother came then four years later, and that was Risto. So Risto also lived with us in Clarksville, out in the country. We lived out in the country, seven miles from Clarksville, Iowa. And so he lived with us. And then another four years later, Shannon, our second daughter, uh, who really did need some special challenge, we thought. And she really wanted to go, you know, just something she was already top in her class. But she but she wasn't right. she wasn't bragging. She just wanted another challenge. She said, Well, We'll line you up with, you know, somebody in Europe. We tried um, our good friends, the Fokinas, but they didn't have, um, in Germany, they didn't have um, contact right then. So um, in talking to Jarl and Ava Lisa, um, the parents of our boys, um, they they did invite Shannon. So she, I, I got a hold of a guy, Ari, um, Arnie Westerland, anyway, and he worked with her on 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 Finnish because it's a very difficult language and um, right and so she studied Finnish before she left for almost a year and so when she was there she was able to join in successfully and do very well in school um, because Jarl um, was a principal and Ava Lisa taught English and so they were really wonderful parents to her for a year and she left the house um, the week after she turned 16. So she was gone um, and, and, and was in Finland. Um, and then the next year, her Finnish brother, the Mati, that he joined us. And so he came over here for a year. So all wow. three of the boys in that family live wow. at their age. They're, they're very, it's a very special family to us. Definitely, yes. Yes. And so Evelisa and Jarl visited us. Um, we lived in, um, to visit them in, in, in Rome, which is um, a town on the western side. Um, and so, yeah, I could tell you a lot about Finland. I, I don't want to go about that. But I will also <laughs> say when, I mean, no, about what I, what I learned from them. Um, but also, back to Rodney, um, this was important, too. When he was at Oak Park Presbyterian Church, Okay. Um, when we got married in Illinois, um, uh-huh. it was a large congregation of uh, over a thousand at the time, and he had 200 people in his youth group. 200 students really? in in Ronnie's youth group, and wow. um, one of them was Jack Welch. Well, oh. Jack Welch happens to be yet my son. He is my son. And he has been my son all those years. He's, right. eight years. he's eight years younger, but he's still my son. 
And <laughs> his, his mother um, decided to take her two kids. One of them had gotten in trouble with the mafia, who was a, a young a young preteen boy. Right. And so she was Ted was a she was a nurse, an RN, and so she moved out of Oak Park uh, back to California, to Sacramento, and took her two children and said to Jack, "Clean it up, take care of things. I'm leaving." <laughs> right. So Jack was at that point just a junior in high school, and uh, he had to clear, clean out the apartment. Um, sorry, that I declined, Raleigh. Uh, just called. He had to clean out the apartment, and um, and he, you know, was stuck with everything. <laughs> so Rodney, he didn't have a place to live because of, obviously it was their old apartment. Right. And so he lived with Rodney. Uh, Rodney invited him to sit with him, you know, and go ahead and graduate, and Jack did. And then Jack went to the Navy. Um, as Jack told me, hmm, this is interesting, the day Rodney died was the same day that Jack left Rodney and me and went off to the Navy. Really? The very same day. The very same day. Wow. Uh, Fifty years later, yeah, the very same day. But he went off to the Navy, and then every time he came home, um, he was with us for five Christmases because we were his home. And right. in between when he came home, <laughs> he Jack was with us. And so when we were, you know, later in our life, uh, we kind of lost contact for a while. And uh, I was over at the Crane Manse, and Jack showed up uh, that day. I was having a garage sale, and there was a woman looking at some things in the garage, and I thought this man that came was her connection or, you know, with her. Right. And I didn't know. And he walked up and he looked and he said, I was standing on the porch of the manse. He said, Sandy? And I said, I don't know you. (laughs) 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 I had no idea. I had no idea who this guy was, you know. And he said, Jack. And I said, oh, my God. I said, come here. And I pulled (laughs) him in the house and I opened up the kitchen cabinet door and I had resolutions and one of them was find Jack Welch. Really? Wow. Those are my resolutions, yeah. He found then, you. Yeah. So then we went to church, and, of course, you know, I'm saying, here's my son. Like, who's this right. guy? <laughs> <laughs> but he did drive across. He drove across the whole country. It took 38 hours in his BMW, and right. he arrived at the hospital in Joplin into Freeman, and he went in and sat with Raleigh and sat and talked about cars. As sure. they were sitting talking about cars, that is Stephanie and Shannon were playing gin rummy at the bottom of the bed of Rodney's room. And he was, uh, you know, in palliative care at that point, last few days. Right. And he, um, I was by his bed and I said, Rodney, I have to um, go get a shower. These are my words. This is everything. I said, I have to go get a shower. Um, I kissed him. I didn't say anything about coming back or anything else. I just said goodbye. And No, I didn't say goodbye. I just kissed him, and I said, I love you. And I didn't right. say goodbye. And uh-huh. I went out of the room, and a minute and a half later, Laura and I were called back by Raleigh to come back in. He wow. died. Yeah. And the kids didn't know it because Shannon said, I kept looking at him, and 
no, Dad's still breathing, and, and they were playing their game. Um, so he, you know, died alone, like the best, the best, really. But oh, he was with them, too. Yeah. But Roddy was wonderful. And um, this is important. This is what I wanted to talk about, Roddy. So Roddy worked on a book on Paul. He was working right. on a book on Paul since the 90s. And I kept saying, how are you doing on that book on Paul? Ah, okay. <laughs> And he'd work on it once in a while. And, of course, he was a very busy man. So right. he didn't uh, just, you know, say anything about it. I didn't say anything about it. Looking through his items and on his desk um, in September of this year, I found the book on Paul. Wow. And I thought, whoa, this is interesting. And um, so I got a hold of um, a librarian out in uh, Santa Clarita, and she referred me to Westbow Press which is a subsidiary of Nelson. And um, it's self-publisher, but it's uh, a reputable Christian uh, press. And um, so I contacted them and ended up signing a contract with them to publish this book. Wow. Well, it's called called, uh, The Life and Works of Paul by Roddy G. Peters. Now, to continue with this saga... (laughs) Um, Raleigh called me on the phone and said, hey, Mom, what did, we're just doing our, our Bible study right now with the men. He said, what does Dad have on Acts 18? And I said, uh, just a minute. So I'm looking through the manuscript. I said, well, wait a minute. Raleigh, he stops with the second journey, the second missionary journey. And Raleigh said, hmm. So, well, we decided. He had the appendix on the back. He had the um the list, the chronology of Paul's life. It looked like it was complete. Um, I contacted the publisher and I said, look, it's not complete. Um, There's more. And I found it and started working on it. And it wasn't, of course, it wasn't formatted. It was done, but it was in a weird form. And um, I worked with a librarian over at the library in Easttown here and, and got it into a word document because it was stuck in adobe um and then i worked on it and i got it in okay well that's fine (laughs) everything was hunky-dory until um now they've discovered that i have to get permission of course from references right Um, one's on william barkley another one is stuck in holman maps um i've contacted various people to get permission and to get information on all this and the contacts don't come back. And it's, I think it's because of COVID or it's not working. Right. I'm still waiting. I'm praying that they'll sometime give me permission. But in the meantime, I'm just, uh, you know, maybe next year it'll get done. And, and when it's done, it is really, really good. I will say that. It's really good. It's going to be so helpful. It's a study guide, and groups can do it, and churches, and, and small groups, or people with their families. I mean, it's just it's amazing and it's very comprehensive and it's really, really good. And um, I, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds what, fun. So where are you now? I'm sitting in my. Uh, it's actually was a garage, but they made it into a room. <laughs> okay. I'm in a 1949 colonial, small colonial house. With it has two stories, but it's you know it's it's not big like we lived in the Victorian home beautiful home in Ma- called Maplecrest, Roddy named it, uh, in Neosho, Missouri. And uh, right. that was a retirement home. And so 
I taught at Crowder College during that time, and Roddy served several churches. In fact, after he retired, following his retirement, um, he was called within 48 hours from the presbytery to to be in retirement at another church. And so he went to Bethany Presbyterian in Joplin after leaving Crane, which is where he retired. And you gave him beautiful books, by the way, Dale. They were lovely books. (laughs) Um, and anyway, he um, he took the job, you know, and, and he was still lively, uh, as people are when they retire, and continued through 10 years. And I finally said, Roddy, don't you think you ought to really retire? I mean, <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, I suppose. And so he did. And two months later, <laughs> he you could see he was just like, oh, not doing anything. I I like I was doing some things, but not what I want to do. I could feel it. I could tell it. And I said, well, right. why don't you call Melania? She was uh, the presser, and he just find out from her if, if there's something to do. And so he called. She said, yes, I would really like you to be at Scammon Presbyterian Church in Kansas. Okay. And so he did do that. Uh, he did it for over two years. Um, it's a wonderful small family church with absolutely wonderful people. I just, I mean, very lovely people and very kind. And it was a very good place for us to be. So we were there and uh, he taught, he was actually preaching in Advent uh, in in 2017. And as you know, he died on March the 2nd in 2018. So he kind of lived out his, his life as a preacher. And, and Ronnie started preaching when he was 16 because he wow. lived he lived in Iowa and they needed to have um, somebody serve like three small churches around uh, Council Bluffs and he he was already doing it then so he's that was his life that was his love that was his life um, and I think the reason I found this manuscript undone my right. kids Raleigh told me my son said. Mom, he said, remember what Dad said to you. See, he said at one time when I would be nagging him probably to get that book done, he would say, right. Sandy, you're a writer. I'm yes. A speaker. I'm a speaker. <laughs> he would say, Sandy, you're a writer. I'm a speaker. And he was. He was. Right. But I have boxes and boxes of his sermons, which I love. And they, they were always in an outline form. And so they're, right. they're really good. And when we left Crane Presbyterian, when we walked ah. out the door, I looked over the side and said, what's that box there? And he said, oh, those are my sermons. I said, <laughs> Rodney, take your sermons with you. And he did. And your your group does not know this, but we did leave. And that following December, we were in England, and Samantha, our daughter, called us. And it was after Christmas, and Crane Presbyterian Church burned to the core yes. and after burning I'm, I'm saying I think God wanted us to take those sermons out the door with us I don't know right yes I don't know well yes. we'll never know it was awful and electrical problem it was it was just an electrical problem they said um, where some of the Christmas things were stored is right. that correct is that correct I think that's right I mean I I think that it's just one of those things that it was it was timed perfectly. It was a great Christmas service, and it was just a time that we got a new church, and it's great to 
to be think about our old church too. Yes, and you know that the new church is just wonderful. So yes, it sure I'm, is. I'm, I'm so glad. Um, I mean, I I will always be fond of remembering the, the old church, but it's good to renew. And people who hang on to all the old the old places and stuff right. that's not that's not healthy. That's just not exactly. healthy. Um, unfortunately, this was really sad, but when he died, the week he died, the very week he died, one church that he served in Kansas, Conway Springs, Kansas, closed that week. It closed. It closed its doors, but it did something wow. good. It, it opened the church up to the community, which is a Roman Catholic community, and so I'm sure that it's being used very well, but that was sad. It was also the very same week he died that the church called Unity Presbyterian Church in Clarksville, Iowa, out in the country, seven miles from town, beautiful right. little church, and a man raised, totally gone, the same week. Huh. The same week Rodney died, wow. they raised, they, and of course they weren't doing it because of Rodney. I mean, right. it's just <laughs> the, timing, the timing, and both of them, both of those churches, yeah. So when churches thrive and are able to go on, then power to them. Power to them. It takes a lot of futuring, not just past, you know, not dealing Absolutely. with the past. Yeah. And you are in Pennsylvania now, is that right? I beg your pardon? You're in Pennsylvania now? Yeah. <laughs> um, I moved here for a reason. Roddy's okay. very three and a half miles away from me. Um, oh, wow. He's buried, buried in the second oldest revolutionary cemetery in the United States. It's uh, beautiful. It has many, many soldiers in it. This area right. is filled with um, with history. Valley Forge Road is right off of my road. Uh, it's about uh, two, mile, two point something miles away. Um, so there are a lot of this Paoli uh, background. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the, both, both wards are here. And so, um, and people who are a real responsive during the really bad time of the epidemic on Easter, I thought, I'm just going to drive over to Valley Forge and, you know, take Axel, my little terrier dog, and we'll go for a walk. Uh-huh. Right. Got there. Everybody had that same <laughs> idea. It was like going into New York City. <laughs> wow. There were so many people that decided to go to Valley Forge that day. And, of course, all of the buildings were closed, and they had ropes around, and they weren't open. And people went over the ropes, went down into the, you know, to roam around out there. And it was like, uh, I don't think it's smart to be close to all those people, but <laughs> that's what people did. And so Axel and I just walked on the sidewalk for a while, and then we came on home. But it seemed like during the pandemic and the worst times, everybody always went to the same places, you know? Right. Yes. I saw more people walking dogs than I've ever seen, ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been and, a strange uh, time. Oh yeah, I saw Dr. Fauci get his shot today, though, and I was so happy. <laughs> yes, and so anyway, it's been very nice to get your your piece of my life on paper or on uh, <laughs> on tape, shall we say? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for interviewing thank me. You so much. And, uh, thank and, uh, you. Uh, take care. Pleasure. Take care of your dad and mom and your sister. Oh yes. And, yeah, and your little sure kids. Will. Your kids, too? Take care They're of them? They're doing wonderful. Yes, they are. Okay, Dale. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. DaleWileyShow.com.